Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome to a brand new chapter in our excursion through the book of Jeremiah. We're in chapter number 19 today, so thanks for joining. Got a postcard here from uh, Cumberland Falls, and this is in West Virginia, I think. And this is from our friend Doug Binkley. Doug, you've you've written him before. I appreciate that. But I, I, I'm a little bit concerned about your postcard because he says in the postcard that he got this postcard right before he got into an accident on his motorcycle. Not bad for broken ribs. So Doug, uh, be safe out there on your bike. But uh, thanks for thinking about us with the beautiful postcard. Hey, we're in a Jeremiah chapter number 19. And we're all very familiar with chapter 18 because it's the famous passage about God being the potter and we are the clay. God is forming us. He's molding us. He's making us. And we are familiar with that imagery. We're a little bit less familiar, I think, many of us with chapter number 19. And yet it is, I think, an extenuation of that concept of pottery. So look at verse number one of Jeremiah chapter number 19. The Bible says, thus saith the Lord, go and get a potter's earthen bottle. So as we said before, God oftentimes uses physical object lessons, illustrations to make a message that much more clear. Uh, The Lord Jesus did that in parables and God instructs Jeremiah to do that often throughout the book. And here in chapter number number 19, he's he's instructed to get an earthen pottery bottle. So unlike clay, uh, pottery is the finished product. It has been, it's hardened. It's been put in the fire. It's been glazed. It's, it's the shape it is, is the shape it is. And obviously now it is in danger of being breakable because it's it's hard, it's it's formed, it, you can't manipulate it anymore. It is what it is. So Jeremiah, go get this earthen pottery bottle. Now watch what God says, verse number one, and take of the ancients of the people and of the ancients of the priests. So take with you on this little object lesson, take some of the old wise men of the city, take some of the older, wiser priests, the ones that have had great tenure in their priestly duties, bring them with you. So this is a private audience for a special message that God has for the people. And he's going to use the ancients, these older, wiser, respected people to illustrate this message. Look at verse number two. And go forth, he says, with with this new group now and with this model, go forth unto the valley of the son of Hinnom. So the, the Greek translation of the valley of Hinnom would be Gehenna. And we use that as a term to describe the lake of fire. 
Why? Because the Valley of Hinnom, one of the three valleys that comprises Jerusalem, and you can even go there today. I show our groups this valley all the time, was a valley where the garbage would be cast, a valley where dead bodies would be thrown, uh, a valley where they would burn the garbage. And so there was a a stench there always. Uh, There was a burning there always. It was the notorious place where even some people, albeit rarely, practiced uh, child sacrifice. Uh, Ahaz, the king, back in the day, practiced child sacrifice. Even Manasseh, who was the grandfather of Josiah, whom Jeremiah knew, had practiced child sacrifice. So this was an awful place, a place of refuse, a place of spiritual apostasy. And to go to this valley with this bottle, with these people, get the picture so far? Look at verse number two, which is by the entry of the east gate and proclaim there the words that I shall tell thee. So typical to the last chapter or reminiscent of the last chapter, God said, now, Jeremiah, I'm going to tell you to do this. And now when you get there, I will give you the message. Kind of like the potter's house. Jeremiah, get up, go to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. So again, the Lord's saying, take this bottle, take these people, and when you get there, I'll give you uh, I'll give you a message. <laughs> Think about how uh, obedient Jeremiah is, how much faith Jeremiah has in God. It would be as if God were to say to me, okay, Kurt, I want you to gather people together, bring them to the church auditorium. Here's an object illustration you're going to use. And when you get there and the people are there, I'll tell you what to say. That You talk about a, a uh, extemporaneous message, that would be one. So Jeremiah trusts the Lord that God's going to give him his word at just the right time, just as God had said. And watch what it says in verse number three. And say, so here's the message, hear ye the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah. So remember, this message is especially geared toward the leadership. And here he calls out the the supreme leaders really by title, O kings of Judah. So hear ye the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, all that follow those kings. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will bring evil upon this place, the which whosoever heareth, his ears shall tingle. You see that term used in the Bible, the tingling ears. It would be kind of like if somebody punched you really hard in the side of the head, your ears would ring right? Or maybe something so calamitous happens in your life that you feel like, man, my, my, it's like my ears are ringing. That's the point. The point here is that God is pronouncing something that is so awful and so catastrophic that it's going to make your ears ring. That's, that's the idea. Look at verse number four, because now why? Why is God bringing this judgment? Why this ear tingling event taking place? Well, the Bible says, because, because they have forsaken me. Remember, all sin at its core is relational. It's, it's not so much what I do, where I go, how I behave, as it is whom I'm disregarding, whom I'm snubbing my nose at, 
So the point here is not so much the apostasy that they're doing, but it's the God whom they're forsaking. So it says here, because they have forsaken me and have estranged this place. What what place? Uh, Jerusalem. Uh, The place where God said his name. The place where God placed the temple and his presence. A place that was supposed to be a shining beacon to all the world about the veracity of the one and true God, Jehovah. And what have you done through your offerings, false offerings? What have you done through your sacrifices? What have you done through your worship of Molech and and Baal? What have you done? You have made this place anything uh, anything other than what it was intended to be. You have estranged this place. You've made it a place that is unrecognizable as a place dedicated to God. Every now and then I'll see an old church building Perhaps that was sold, the church folded, and somebody took that church building. I'm thinking about a place in in Pittsburgh that we went. It became a recording studio, an old church. I've seen churches that have been turned into bars and taverns. You might say, boy, they've taken this place and made it a strange place. They've made it a foreign. The idea of a stranger in the Bible is a foreigner. They've made it a place that is unrecognizable as to its original purpose. And that's what God is saying here. You have forsaken me and you have made my place, this place, a strange place, a place that is not at all like what I intended for it to be. Verse number four again And you have burned incense in it unto other gods, whom neither they nor their fathers have known, nor the kings of Judah, and have filled this place with the blood of innocence. They have built also the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal, which I commanded not. I never wanted child sacrifice. I never asked for that. Even the story of Abraham indicates that God does not want us to sacrifice our children, either literally or figuratively. And watch what it says at the end of verse number five, nor spake it, neither came it into my mind. Far from the mind of God, foreign to the thought process and heart of God is for a parent to do harm to his child, to sacrifice his children to a false god. Uh, that that far be it uh, to place that on God because do- God does not have that. You know, God's desire is that fathers and mothers would invest in their children and nourish and train them in the right way, introduce them to the God whom they love and serve. But the people of God had made it a strange place. We're going to stop there in verse number five. We'll jump into verse number six next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.